I'm Dan Perkins, the author of a new Dan Perkins Media presents a unique and exciting program. Truth Starts Now, a, a conversation with Dan Irish Perkins. With the hair, left has taken away your rights to freedom of speech. Truth Starts Now is a platform for you to regain your voice. America and Americans will be better off if we can have civil and respectful conversations about the day's important issues. Now, here's your host, Dan Perkins. Serving her country in two, two wars. She fell in love with the love of her life. She takes the longest honeymoon in history. This novel is full of twists and turns and is difficult to put down. You can find Sad Eyes at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and JCarrollPublishing.com or through your local bookstore. Get it, read it, tell people about it, and write a review on Amazon. This is Dan Perkins. What he believes to be the truth, and that's why he's here. And I love your jacket, by the way. Thank you. Kevin, tell the audience, since it's been a while, tell them about yourself and what you're doing. Brother Dan, it's always an honor and a privilege for me to be on your show. It's fantastic. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, so I'm Kevin McGarry. I'm, uh, I do several things. So I'm the uh, president and chairman of the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California. I am a prolific writer. I've written seven books now. I am also a co-founder of Every Black Life Matters. Uh, we're the righteous and faithful alternative to BLM, Black Lives Matter. So opposed to being Marxist and crazy and racist and riotous and all of that, we are a faithful, righteous, God-honoring, family-honoring, father-honoring, free markets and capitalist-honoring uh, organization. And so uh, we, we do the hard work. We actually uh, encourage Black communities to not adhere to the riotous attitudes of BLM and the Marxist attitudes of BLM, but uh, to find a way that to, to, uh, to overcome the issues, the plights that we currently face. And there are realistic uh, solutions for us. And we at Every Black Life Matters provide those solutions so our communities can actually be uplifted as opposed to uh, derided. You know, Kevin, I have uh, interviewed a number of black leaders in my career, two careers in radio and television. I had a gentleman, you may know him, he used to be on the air in Chicago, his name was Charles Butler. He's now out of out of Tampa. Been on, it was in Chicago, one of the lead uh, anchors in Chicago for a long time. And he said to something to me years ago, he said, Dan, what we need the, the government to understand is one simple fact. Just leave us the hell alone. When Lyndon Johnson came in with the great, the moral majority or whatever it was, when he brought that on and took the fathers out of the houses, before that time, black people were growing and prospering and, and, and living good lives, had opportunity. And when Lyndon Johnson and his great society took the fathers out of the house, you never recovered from that. Never recovered. Yeah, yeah and still have a huge, huge percentage of single moms. Yeah. So LBJ did a horrible disservice to the Black family and the Black community in general, and uh, it was all contrived. It was uh, part of his strategy. Uh, he was the one that infamously said, we'll have these N-words voting for the Democrat Party for the next 200 years. This is mm -hmm. a well-known recording. It's out there. You guys can find it. But uh, yeah, LBJ was a, a, a reprobate racist, 
and he he wanted to manipulate the black community and the black family especially and put us in the position that uh, unfortunately and ironically we're actually in today this is what he this is what his dream was this is actually the dream of all leftist progressives they can say what they want about you know not being racist and and really wanting blacks to succeed but in reality if you look at their policies you look at their fundamental positions positions their principles you see that they are contrived, duplicitous, and they actually mean harm to the Black community because they would rather us be being able to be manipulated so they can sort of lead us by the nose and have us do what they want to do so they can maintain power. So that's a whole different uh, different idea, uh, different mindset for somebody that is that uh, wicked, that would be willing to really enslave Blacks in a, in a modern day sense, uh, just so they can maintain power and position. You know, Kevin, I've had some outspoken Black leaders say to me that they believe many of the Black pastors were in collusion with, with Lyndon Johnson. Yep. They, were, they were a powerful force in the Black community that keep voting for the Democrats. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Right. Yep. So, so uh, actually, they were, uh, and they still are. Fundamentally, what we see is uh, LBJ, you know, giving out free money and these pastors saying, hey, you know, there's free money here. Let's just comply uh, and we can get that free money for, you know, our, our, our women and, and, and so they can take care of the children. But in reality, what we're doing is dismantling fatherhood within the black family, dismantling the black family, you know, totally, actually and uh, bringing in a lot more discord within the black community in which the discord that we see today in, in Chicago, Memphis, Philadelphia, uh, a lot of these you know, primarily black urban areas, you see the kind of discord that's, that's now being out there as a result of not having a father in the home and not really having a father uh, figure that is uh, a part of the family. These are the types of things that were really predictable. I mean, social scientists predict predicted this a long time ago that this would happen the disintegration of the black community by way of of, of lack of black fathers uh, and, and 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 black father figures within the community uh so pastors did by and large and still to this very day uh you know sign on to the leftist progressive uh you know manuscript and they and they uh they push the leftist progressive uh policies and 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 uh, programs because they think that it actually does good for the community. In actuality, it does much, much harm. It's well-documented, and uh, you don't have to be a rocket science to kind of see the outcome <laughs> we're seeing right now. Right. I was sitting in the studio doing the show the day Donald Trump came down the elevator to announce that he was running for president. And my on-air partner at the time was uh, more of a liberal Democrat but not extremely progressive or liberal. Mm -hmm. And I listened to his speech and I said to my, my partner, he's going to be president. Mm -hmm. And he said, you're crazy. I said, no, I'm not. He's got, he's speaking to the average people. So my question is, do you think that I, I remember, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it was in Detroit when he was talking to the, a black congregation and he said, what do you got to lose? You got to lose, yeah. yeah. What do you got to lose? Do you think that the the prosperity that the black community got under Donald Trump 
is what's making them rebel against the Democratic Party today? Yeah, so I, I think, uh, you know, Joe Biden and, you know, Obama, which is still pulling the strings, of course, uh, you know, the reality is, is that we see, you know, Obama's third terms, and he was a wrecking ball for economies, for peace, for, you know, world peace. I mean, you know, he was a wrecking ball. And when we see the policies now with all the wars going on and everything else that they've done to the to various communities, but in particular, uh, we see that it's been devastating to the black community. Now we go from a situation where we had this robust time with with Donald Trump as as president, where we had the lowest uh, unemployment rate within the black community, the highest home ownership, uh, low the, the, the uh, inflation wasn't even on the radar. I mean, it was not even a conversation. And then now, O Biden gets in office, and we have the highest inflation. Everything is basically flipped on its head, right? Forget trying to buy a home if you're if you're a young, up and coming, you know, black family. Forget that because the home interest rates are well above eight percent for a thirty uh, year fix. So, so you know, basically doubling the home prices, uh, doubling or tripling the gas prices uh, across the country. So. Uh, that's real. I mean, people can see that. That's that's manifestly real. So this is not, you know, uh, you know, just hyperbole coming from a, a, a complicit media. This is how we live day in and day out. So we're seeing the results of these bad policies. What Biden is facing right now is an uphill battle because you can't you know, sort of say Bidenomics is helpful when in reality we see our pocketbooks, we see the plight in our communities, and we see how it's degraded over just these past couple of years. So that's why we see more of a trend towards the GOP uh, and especially towards Trump within the black community. I think we will see record turnout uh, for Donald Trump, uh, you know, for the GOP uh, in this next election. Uh, the reality is, is that we're facing hardships and we want a better life and we want the wars to stop. And so the only way to do that now um, is to go with the Donald Trump ticket. And, and so that's becoming manifest now. And I think we'll see a different result in this election. So do you think, Kevin, that when Donald Trump was president, did the actions he created as far as stimulating economic activity in the black community, higher wages, did it start to bring fathers back into the house? Uh, in some sense, it did. Okay, so there were a lot of fathers that were incarcerated due to Joe Biden's 1994, uh, you know, uh, criminal justice, uh, you know, his his uh, actually 1994 crime bill that he and Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton ultimately signed it. But it was uh, a crime bill designed to put men behind bars who just had a, a fraction of marijuana. They would go, they would be up for, you know, 15 to 25 years. If you had crack cocaine, you'd be doing 25 to life. So a lot of those, when Trump came in office, he said, this is this is this is disproportional. It's crazy. Uh, we need to have criminal justice reform. So he reformed Joe Biden's bill, start letting these families reconnect. And so fathers were beginning to reconnect with their families uh, as a result of a lot of them being, uh, you know, let out of uh, prison for these uh, uh, crazy, absorbent, long sentences. And, and that began to happen. Have a problem with the hookup culture. And so there's still fathers that are, you know, you know, having babies out of wedlock, that's that's still a, a it's a cultural issue, right? It's it goes across all uh, ethnicities, but we still see that as a pervasive problem. But we did begin to see some family reunification 
under Donald Trump. Ultimately, what's going to bring fathers uh, back into uh, their family pictures is they understand that they have a critical, a critical role with helping their children, whether they're connected with them or not, you know, connected with them in the family in a, in a single household or not, that they have a critical role to remain connected with their children, to help them to, 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 to navigate the crazy education that they're getting right now in our public school systems and to, uh, you know, not, not really go into that, you know, sort of trans and over-sexualization, all those types of things. But it's the father that really can help those children to do that. As fathers begin to recognize their role and reconnect with their children, we'll begin to see a resurgence uh, and a rebuilding within a lot of these communities that have been so disaffected by LBJ, leftist progressives, and the, the Biden administration. But we need a leader like Donald Trump to, you know, to, to, to come back in office and to give uh, the talking points really for all of America and a new vision for, for families so we can begin to rebuild from that perspective. We've got about 40 seconds and I, I want to start a question. And, and if we have to go through the break, after the break, we'll, we'll do that. Some night when you're sitting in your living room and it's dark and you don't have the lights on and you might have a beverage in your hand and you're thinking about the day, you ever wonder what what this country would be like if Donald Trump had got a second term? Well, I, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that we'll see what this country would be like with Donald Trump's second term. But the the concurrent, uh, you know, the second concurrent terms, uh, I do wonder uh, we would be so much better off. We wouldn't have all these wars going on around the world. Uh, there right. wouldn't been. I don't think that we would have seen what happened in Ukraine. Uh, it, it would have just been so much better. Uh, and we would be well on our way to prosperity, uh, you know, for everybody. And uh, I think we'll we'll see that in the second term. It's important that we stick to the main fundamentals and stop the personality. Oh, so much emphasis on personality, which the media wants us to focus on uh, and really focus on the main thing, which is Donald Trump is the man who actually proved that he can do this. And we need to allow him to do it again. Kevin, how do people follow you? Everyblm.com. Everyblm.com. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back with Kevin. I'm Dan Perkins, the author of a new historical romance novel called Sad Eyes. It is a story of a young woman, a beautiful Irish lass with red hair, green eyes, and curves that won't quit. She is born in 1912 in Waterloo, Iowa. She decides she wants to be an ER nurse, but she wants to move away from Waterloo to the excitement of the big city. She is accepted at St. James School of Nursing in Chicago and began a life as a true American patriot, serving her country in two wars. She fell in love with the love of her life. She takes the longest honeymoon in history. This novel is full of twists and turns and is difficult to put down. You can find Sad Eyes at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and jcarrollpublishing.com or through your local bookstore. Get it read it, tell people about it, and write a review on Amazon. This is Dan Perkins. Welcome back to The Truth Starts Now. We're continuing our conversation with Kevin. And we have a couple of things that he wants to talk about. And I have probably more than a couple of things that I want to talk about. But since Kevin is the guest, we'll, we'll go with him. But I do want to, I do want to, uh, I'm not trying to throw you a curveball. I'm just giving you information. I wrote a commentary a week or so ago, the resignation of the president of Harvard. On the day that she notified the faculty that she was stepping down as president, she claimed that she had done nothing wrong. And yet that afternoon, 
researchers found at least 50 additional sightings in her writings that were plagiarized. Right. In fact, she's already gone back to revise her original dissertation for her PhD. And there were people, right or wrong, it was just that this is what some people thought. Some people thought, Kevin, that she got a pass because she was both a woman and black. The other two ladies on the panel were white. They didn't get the pass that she got. Right. But she ultimately had to leave. But she didn't leave. She kept the job for almost $900,000 a year. Right. And she's a plagiarist. Now, I'll give you that background because I just finished a piece last night. I didn't know this until I asked myself the question, can your PhD be revoked? The answer is yes. Oh, it can. Yes. Yes. Wow. If it can be proven that you plagiarize a significant portion of your doctoral thesis, the institution who awarded you your PhD can take it back. In fact, last year, Harvard pulled back a, a PhD because they found it to be full of plagiarism. But what I'm greatly concerned about, Kevin, is that I make two comparisons. One to what some people call the first black president, Bill Clinton, and his tryst with Monica Lewinsky when he stood up in front of the podium shook his finger at America and said, I did not have sex with that woman, Miss mm. Lewinsky. Right. He lied. He lied to the American people. Sure. And, but what happened was, charismatic leaders can create influences that are for, for bad, not for good. Right. And right. I, believe, I believe that what Bill Clinton did and the way he conducted himself sent a message to young people that it was okay to have sex, whatever it was. And it and it's still there. He's still dealing with with uh, with what happened with the, the guy the pedophile. Yeah. And he's still still talking, they're still talking about. So his legacy is that people want to talk about his sexual indiscretions than whatever he did on a positive note. Yeah. Roll forward to Miss Gay. She was the first black woman president of Harvard. Yep. She lasted six months. When she went to testify with two other women from incredibly highly credited colleges and universities, MIT, University of Pennsylvania, and Harvard. And she basically couldn't say that it was wrong for students and the faculty to support the euthanasia of black people, or uh, not only black people, but but people from Israel. That's right. That it was okay that the idea that freedom from the from the river to the sea, which ultimately meant the elimination of the state of Israel and all the Jews, that she she did not put a stop to that. She did not defend the rights of the Israeli people to defend themselves. That's right. But strangely enough, it was the plagiarism that got her forced to resign because it affected her credibility. Right. I think 
there's now a huge problem, not only at Harvard, but lots of universities. If the president of Harvard got away with plagiarism, why can't I? Right, that's right. And where, where do you get then, where, what happens to integrity, morals, honesty? That's right. Goes out the window. So she's the modern day Bill Clinton. Yeah. Yeah, except uh, Miss Gay, she she was um, she was a diversity hire. Let's just call it what it is, okay? Uh, diversity hire is someone who is really not qualified, but they're given the opportunity because of you know new diversity standards, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, the equity piece is what's really problematic within the diver the new diversity paradigm that we find ourselves in. Uh, equity means that irrespective of skill, competency, track record, you know, you need e an equal outcome. So we see these three ladies, none of them appeared to be particularly qualified when they were doing their congressional testimony, in my opinion. But Miss Gay was, of the three, was the one who, uh, who, who really doubled and tripled down not only on her anti-Semitic, uh, you know, cover that she gives for anti-Semites on her campus, but also she doubled down on her plagiarism. And like you said, there's over 50 now purely plagiaristic acts or, or deeds that they found within her writings. So this is a person that is unrepentant. She feels that we owe her something as a result of her diversity status. And this is what's the problem with DEI. We should always be what Dr. Martin Luther King, we're coming up on his birthday on Monday, what he called for, which was, look, can we just stop viewing each other as, as um, you know, as, uh, as uh, based on color? Can we just look past that and start to view one another based on the content of our character, right. based on meritocracy? Let our merits promote us. Let's not focus back on color. But you see what's happened. With DEI, they've turned it upside down, and we're now back focused on color. So we're actually going, taking a step back prior to the civil rights movement. So in this time that we're talking about white supremacy and racist and all these shrill voices about racism, uh, we're actually wanting to take a step back to pre-civil rights era. Where you know, and, and go back and and make decisions based purely on race again, again. Mm -hmm. So, so we're we're in a really strange paradigm, right? If you look at what she did, now you have a book. Can you hold yeah. it up so we can see the cover? Yeah, the book is uh, three e <laughs> DEI in three D. And as you know, if you three D vision, of course, is an in depth view. So what this does, it gives you the, it dis, helps you to decipher the, uh, the designs, the demands, and the dilemmas of DEI. So it takes the whole thing apart. It's not from a right-left paradigm. So it's, it's strictly, you know, uh, you know, from that pers perspective, it's an agnostic view. It's just looking at it, you know, objectively. What is DEI? What is it not? Where does it come from? What do we do about it? And it's that kind of a look. So it's uh, it's it has no political leanings or anything like that. It's just a book for everybody. Where can we, Kevin? Where can we get the book? You just go to Amazon and type in DEI in 3D, uh, or you can type in my name, Kevin McGarry, M C G A R Y one R, and uh, you'll get access to it. So I encourage all your you know viewers, listeners to go ahead and get that book, DEI in 3D. It's a hardcover.
as well, we're we're doing some trainings online. We're we're trying to get people up to speed. You know, so many people, especially conservatives and white Caucasian conservatives, are are really feeling powerless in this in this new era where everybody's talking about white supremacy and racism, and they're and they're really aggressive. And so, a lot of people are in their workplaces are being forced to take these what I would call struggle sessions, Marxist struggle sessions uh, sessions that that really have you focus more on uh, your skin color and everybody else's skin color. But unfortunately, whites are castigated and put in the back of the room. And uh, we have all of these, these, these various, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, anti, you know, really it, it creates disunity within the workplace. So what we've done is we put online training curriculum that anybody can take at your own pace, multiple modules. You can go out there to our website again, everyblm.com and get access to that. But it's it's racial unity training, so it actually gives you the 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 history and everything else as it relates to supremacy and and racism and all of that slavery. It takes you through that very careful way. But at the end of the day, you're fully unified with your uh, with your brothers and sisters of various ethnicities, as opposed to being you know uh, put off by that. So so it's that kind of a thing that you can take online as well as well. So uh, we got about three and a half minutes. I want I want one open up one more subject. Yeah, it's a subject that used to get a lot of headlines in the news and hasn't. I haven't seen it for some time, and that is reparations. Yep. What happened? Well, what happened is uh, we have a lot of people that are uh, opportunists. Uh, you know, after George Floyd, we had you know this is where all of this stuff CRT, DEI, and now reparations are back on the table because they've. They feel that, you know, a lot of our white brothers and sisters are on the run and we can get as much as we can get right now. So we need reparations. What I what I tell everybody, you know, I'm, I'm brought into these conversations and I say, OK, OK, are you sincere about reparations? And the, the you know, they say, yeah, we're sincere. OK, we want reparations. I say, OK, OK. So, um, you know, lit literally, if um, all reparations or all restitution that's paid. It's always done by the people who actually cause the harms. So if you're sincere about this, let's take a look at it, okay? So there were two factions in the 1800s when we had slavery, in 1700, 1800, when we had slavery. And I said one faction was an ab abolitionist faction up in the North. The other faction was a, was a pro-slavery faction in the South, you know, but they were both dominated by white folk, right? So... How is it that you think that all America should pay for reparations or an entire state or an entire city? Really, you, your, 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 your grievance is with those that literally caused the harms. So who caused the harms? That faction is still in effect today. That faction was racist. That faction was supremacist. That faction uh, did do horrible things to Blacks and tried to ensure that we that slavery would continue. That faction during Reconstruction tried to take away the Second Amendment rights of the slaves who had fought in the Civil War and made sure that they can re-enslave them. That faction is still in effect today, and they have billions on the record on their coffers. Who is that faction? And then Democratic they, Party. They so <laughs> if we are sincere about reparations, if we're sincere, let's go to the Democrat Party, and I'll go with you. I tell everybody and anybody, I'll go with you. I'll sign on. And we'll go on march against the Democrat Party together and say, from this party, we demand reparations. Now, you were in California, and California had the lead. San Francisco 
had the lead in all this reparation discussions, but it yeah. went terribly quiet. It went why, terribly why? quiet because they realized they were bankrupt. There's no money. There's no money anyway. <laughs> and so uh, it, it, it failed. And it's it would, it's going to fail across the country. There's no money for reparations. Sincerely, we have to move past uh, you know that kind of rhetoric, that kind of talk, because it does nothing but divide us and make us more you know, incensed towards one another. It's time that we actually begin to unify again. Some people, whether they're right or wrong, is not the issue. Some people have pointed out that under Lyndon Johnson's Great Society, circling back to where we started this program, the Black community has received $21 trillion of support. Now, not everybody got it. A lot of it was corrupt and went away. But we've already made $21 trillion of reparations in the Black community. So... Kevin, I'm sorry we're, we're out of time. Uh, I'm, it's not going to be a long time before I have you back on again. I, I had great fun talking with you. I, I appreciate your insight. Tell them again where people can get your book. Uh, you can get the book at Amazon. Uh, there's two books, Woked Up, that I wrote last year, and DEI and 3D, that came out the end of last year, uh, on Amazon. And again, you can find me on the website, everyblm.com, everyblm.com. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, brother. God bless. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us today. And we'd like to hear your comments or questions. So go to bwradionetwork.com. That's bwradionetwork.com. And give us your questions or comments. And thanks for joining us today.